0: trains to take the name Orient Express but only one in space good morning everyone your goal is to ascertain
1: the foretold's true nature I know exactly what this sounds like isn't this exciting
0: it's immortal unstoppable unkillable can we get a new expert those that bear the foretold stare have 66 seconds to live Start the clock
1: Listening to Who Made Who? Cinema Geekly's Doctor Who podcast. I'm Anthony Lewis. I'm Aaron De lewis
0: and I'm Ben Knight.
1: Ben is back. Uh, uh, You're clinging, barely, just about. Just about. Uh, loads of drugs, and uh, he is he is propped up just sturdily enough to uh, to talk about Doctor Who for a short amount of time. Uh, Aaron, of course, recovering <laughs> from his recent possession of the Backstreet Boys. Uh, uh, if no one is, <laughs> oh yeah, I
0: saw that. That was superb. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Maybe>. <laughs> if no one, if no one is, if no one has seen that video, it's a, uh, it's up on uh, CinemaGeekly I think it's on the Facebook page <laughs> too. It's, it's in my
0: favorites now. I appreciate that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. How so? How uh, how's that going? Which which was the which of the Backstreet Boys was the toughest to excise? By the way, uh, I,
2: it, it wasn't really so much a particular Backstreet Boy I chose to focus in on. I really just I I, I dove face first into the essence oh, of the what it crew, is to be. Yeah. Of the group, yeah, I was essentially swimming in a pool, festering and Backstreet Boy juice, and <laughs> what emerged was uh, was what you see there. It, uh, oh yeah. Honestly enough, uh, the whole dance routine was was kind of uh, difficult for me because I don't know if you could tell or not, but I can't dance uh, for anything. <laughs> no. So it, uh, it, it they were all one take. I would do a costume change and then dance. You know, do the dance because I'm a pro. Uh, but I was editing it together. I'm like, man, there's no way I could make this look fluidly, like I have any sort of <laughs> rhythm. I mean, I, I couldn't. It just that that those are my best moves. Like what you see in that video, that's it. Like that's not me picking through the worst, or that's just those are my. That's what I got. So I it's, uh, I w- I it, would it's say, good to know I dance like a sixty year old grandfather. Uh, I would, I would, just I would, a bunch of arms and spinning.
1: I would say that if you if you haven't watched it, the the best way to describe it would be if the the government grounded up the Backstreet Boys (laughs) and weaponized them into a chemical warhead, which they dropped over Comic-Con.
2: Right.
1: Uh, (laughs) It would be the best description of what happened in that video. I'm going to have to change
2: uh, the the tags or the description of the video to reflect those very words. I love that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, we're here to talk about Doctor Who eventually, Series 8, Episode 8, Mummy on the Orient Express. But uh, Glenn, you weren't – not Glenn – I'm, I'm so used to it being Glenn. Ben, which rhymes with Hi. Glenn, so close enough. Yeah. Um, you were not here to talk about Kill the Moon, so I wanted to get your thoughts real quick on that episode before we dive into the new
0: one. Okay. Um, what do you want to know? <laughs> uh, just, you know, general
1: thoughts. If there's anything that you enjoyed, disliked, what, you, what you'd uh, score, because we got to keep the scorecards in order. Yeah.
0: Um, I have to say I was kind of excited about it in the build-up to it. Uh, I'd, I'd read quite a bit about that one, which I've been trying to avoid doing before the episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was well executed. I think it, it felt a little bit light on content, but maybe that was necessary after the sort of attempts to be too clever in the previous episode. And I, I don't know. I, I actually thought it, I thought it was, I thought it was a nice romp. Um, and people talking about it being a sort of slight turning point in this series, I, I can see what they mean. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I thought it was good. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be brutal because it, I've now, I'm now assessing it against the standard of this week's episode, which is a different legal together. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say a three and a half for last week.
1: Okay. Um, I think that's pretty close to what we gave it uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, we were. Uh, I mean, it definitely felt like it was going to be a turning point. Uh, I mean, we were, uh, especially the way that they, uh, they built this episode, at the end of the last episode, uh, if, you, yeah. if, you, if anyone's listened to it, uh, Aaron talked about the thing that just felt like it was out of left field to us was the, uh, the infamous Clara Doctor breakup scene, I think that people are calling it, uh, and how it just felt really strange how it sort of went from, uh, what was the term we used, Aaron? It uh, went from uh, zero to fuck you, I believe. Yeah, I think, was I think that's what
0: like, You know, that, that actually triggered one of my most major coughing fits last week was oh, listening to the show and hearing house. Oh,
1: <laughs> so many apologies. But, yeah, I mean, but that's what it felt like. It seemed like everything was okay, and then it was like, uh, go away, never come back, and I don't want to see you ever again. Uh, and then they they really played this up because in the preview for uh, the episode we were about to discuss, Mummy on the Orney Express, I believe they did not show a single clip of Clara in the episode, leading everybody to believe that this was indeed the split. And uh, shocker of all, I mean, Aaron, were were you as surprised when he walks out of the TARDIS with Clara? I, I I, I was so confused that I thought it was somebody else at first.
2: Yep, uh,
1: <laughs> I, I was totally stunned and taken aback. So, okay, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it real quick. I, she also I had
0: the same haircut, just... incidentally, as the the girl from um, Stitches, that Ross Noble uh, mm-hmm. horror film. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, it was just. I was
2: completely shocked. Uh, I, I think this lends credence to uh, my previously mentioned theory about them being so close to the moon mm-hmm. uh, The last episode and just kind of throwing off their body chemistry a bit. I <laughs> really think that this is like her appearing this episode kind of lends credence to that
1: um so we we get a okay so the episode kicks off with a a bit of a um a different intro than we're used to because this is just kind of setting up uh the the bad guy for the movie right we've got uh, an old woman on a train uh, and she sees a mummy and we've got her we've got a nice little handy uh, shot clock down in the corner as well, counting counting down to uh, like twenty four. <laughs> uh, yes, eventually counting. Or
0: south part of the movie. Oh, that's the there. other direction. Sorry, that's counting up.
1: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We've got uh. So the the mummy, who by the way in the episode is maybe they maybe they mention the word mummy once or twice, but um, <laughs> it, I'm I'm sure for copyright purposes they don't call him the mummy. Uh, he's called I believe the foretold. Right is the name of this creature. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. I believe the doctor asked whether he was a mummy. Right, he does. He
1: he got it mm. in this time. Another little uh, nice throwback moment. He does, own it, and it's so it's so nice as well. Um, but yeah, the, the with the idea is uh, once you've seen the foretold, you have sixty six seconds to live. Uh, it's going to kill you. Nothing can can stop it. Right. Um, so they this old lady dies, and then they do this great reveal shot of the train that they're on. Uh, of course, it's not much of a reveal, because if you'd watched the preview from last week's episode, you already know that it's a train in space. Uh, but they do a nice reveal shot anyway. Uh, and then that leads us directly into the the most shocking part of the entire episode for me was Clara showing up with the Doctor. And uh, for the first couple of minutes, I was highly confused as to what was going on. But I think it's kind of... Uh, I think they kind uh, kind of quickly get it out of the way of... Um, she was really, really, really upset at him for a time and, uh, they've, they've patched things up, but just for this, like they decided, uh, maybe it is time to call it quits. This is like the, uh, like their farewell tour, right? They're Final gonna, hurrah, I think yeah, she called it. Yeah. Right. They're going to go on one last adventure together, um, which... I don't know how she could have expected it to go good. I mean, maybe there's a bunch of adventures they go on that are that are just fine without any problems, and we just never see them on television. Uh, <laughs> but from our perspective, anytime she ever does anything with this guy, uh, bad things are going to happen. Uh, so I don't know exactly what she was expecting here, but this, uh, this was supposed to be um, uh, the last hurrah. I, I do like how uh, very, very, very far into the future uh, we are still getting... Uh, really, uh, really tasteful jazz covers of Queen songs. Uh, that's always a plus.
0: That shit's eternal, man. Sure.
1: Uh, <laughs> the um, uh, and and you know, uh, the, I, I think the idea here is that this is supposed to be, um, at least from Clara's perspective, right? Is that this is supposed to be uh, like a nice, essentially like a final, really nice dinner before a couple breaks up, that sort of thing, where it's like an amicable split, uh, but. Uh, we quickly find out that that's not the case uh, whatsoever. Um, uh, Things start going awry when it's not, it's not just this old lady who's dying, but uh, in fact, lots of people are dying uh, at the hands of this creature. And um, I I think it, I think the, while the reveal does not come until later. The doctor kind of knows early on that, uh, or we kind of get the sense that, you know, he, he knew what he was walking into in this situation, of course, there's a big reveal later on that states that obviously, yes, he did. This was his whole reason for being as he knew this was uh, happening and uh, his presence was requested here. Um, I think we should do the uh, try to get a uh, get as much out of the plot, uh, push the plot to the side as much as possible for the sake of actually discussing the episode. Um, so we should I, I don't want to spend too much time. Uh, discussing the intricacies. If we want to go into that, uh, we can do it when we're uh, discussing the episode. But um, kind of long story short here, what we, what we learn is that uh, the train isn't exactly uh, a train. It's, a, it's like a science station. And uh, all, most of the people on the train are either there for uh, the purposes of being fed to the foretold, or they are elite scientist-type folk who are there to study it and find out what it is, who it is, how they can stop it, if they can capture it, uh, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, it is all being helmed by, uh, presumably, uh, a computer program, but it, it might not necessarily be a computer program. It could be somebody uh, controlling it from from afar. Uh, but Gus, and Gus is a dick to people, Aaron. I don't know if you've... Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you're paying close attention to this. <laughs> uh, he, he is a he is the jerkiest computer program I think I've ever seen. There, There's a really great scene where uh, somebody is killed right in front of them, and he's like, you know, grief counseling is available or whatever. He's like, but on the other hand, uh, I'm sure you've all gathered uh, a lot of information, so way to go, team. Yeah, right. I was, like, expecting to, you know, push out some, like, champagne or some donuts or some some celebratory music would play or something like that. Just um, shoots out, like, a
2: used Kleenex
1: for them to share for their tears. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, the... um. Uh, and the doctor kind of also uh, befriends the uh the uh the engineer of the train as well um the uh in the in the meantime of course uh the foretold is is wreaking havoc while they're trying to collect uh data about all of this they eventually kind of uh surmise that there's a pattern to all of this right that it's seeking out the uh the weakest people in the bunch e- even if you not just like uh wounds or or defects but even something is uh, as simple as like uh, a mental issue or something like that it, it, it finds those people first and uh, and uh, takes them down so it's kind of uh, going from the bottom up in who it's attacking um, the uh, so once uh, once all this happens they like they find a way to um, they I guess they introduced like um, a device where they would trap the foretold if they ever could trap it but they never end up uh, doing that, uh, in That's fact, left hanging a bit, isn't it? That it is, yeah. Because um, it seemed to me, in fact, it seemed to me the obvious direction they were going to go in is the, uh, um, was it the uh, the? I, I can't remember if she was the daughter or the
0: granddaughter. Who was the? the uh, sorry, Daisy. Daisy. Um, she was the daughter of the the first victim. Right. Um, I, I
1: always just assumed that. Uh, the ending was going to be because uh, once they determined that she was going to be the next target uh, that they were just going to you know use her because they could not stop this thing no matter what that people tried shooting at it. Uh, it literally passed right through the doctor it had um, you know there was there was there there was no effect uh, that anyone could have on it so I, I just assumed that they were going and since she was trapped in that room with the sarcophagus, I just figured. They would uh, use her as bait, like she would stand in the sarcophagus, and then when the thing went to kill her, they they, they would close it, trapping it in there, uh, which seems really grim. But for this show, the way it's been going, it seems like it would fit in line for the most part. So that's where I thought it was going, but that's not what happened. They eventually got, um, I think, according to Wikipedia, here it's Maisie. I think.
0: I was about to say, I think it's Maisie, and I think it's come uh, to think of it, I think it's actually granddaughter. Yes, I was just yes. looking something up on, uh, on the internet. Yeah, it's granddaughter, definitely.
1: Okay, um, from,
0: from the marvelous Janet Henfrey, Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Pitt, I think her name was, wasn't it?
1: Yes, um, and they, um, so they get they get, and Maisie and Clara are trapped in this room with sarcophagus, and they get them out, and uh, the doctor ingeniously decides that he's basically the only one who can who can deal with this, right? So he kind of gets her to focus all of her anxieties and problems and fears onto the scanner, which he then injects himself with. Uh, and that draws the attention of the foretold to him, who is basically doing all of the all of the exam. So far, nobody's been able to to provide quite enough detail, uh, but he's taken what everyone else has given him and is using his own uh, using his own uh, I guess his own observations uh, to come to the determination that uh, perhaps this is a a very old soldier. And again, we've we've brought this the soldier thing has come up an awful lot this uh, in this series and uh, one of the legends of the foretold was that there is a uh, there is perhaps a word that gets it to stop or a phrase or something along those lines and uh, the foretold is right about to grab the doctor's head in his hands to kill him uh, when the doctor says he surrenders and apparently that's the, uh, that's the safe word for the foretold uh, as he as he stops and then becomes visible to everybody. And um, then kind of dissipates into nothingness. and uh the uh what what is it that he has? It's like a teleporter. um, that's like that was like part of the foretolds like in his in his bandages and stuff he has like a teleporter or something that kind of like phased him out of uh out of our normal field of view or something like that. And the doctor was tinkering with it uh after Gus had received his satisfactory, Um, scientific data about what the foretold uh, was and and what it did. I know he's like, okay, well, thanks for that. Now everyone else can die. You're not needed anymore. (laughs) and sucks all the air out, Uh, which wasn't really affecting the doctor as much as it was everyone else. Uh, And he took some time to, to get the the teleporter working, Uh, got everyone into the TARDIS just before uh, the train slash uh, science station explodes uh, and then uh, they they wake on the they wake on the beach uh, where he mentions the explosion. He said something along the lines of like he tried to hack into to Gus, and that's what triggered the uh, the explosion, right? Um, and then has a, a really good heart to heart with uh, Clara on the beach, like a really good uh, a really good monologue uh, where he kind of talks about something that not just has to do with this episode, uh, but the previous episode as well about. Um, making hard choices. And sometimes there's, there's no good choices and uh, you, you've got to pick the best of uh, bad decisions uh, essentially. And uh, I think that might be the thing that sort of turns Clara's opinion uh, uh, on him around a little bit. Like maybe even though she's still pissed about what happened in kill the moon, she kind of maybe sees his side a little bit, perhaps um, this is of course all uh, validated uh, when he's about to um, to take her back home for the last time and she gets a phone call from Danny Pink, who is obviously under the impression that this is the last time. and he is you know waiting for her to get home. She tells him that uh, she loves him. and uh, then when she hangs up the phone, she just out and out says, you know what? Uh, turns out he's cool with me traveling with you. Let's just keep doing this for a while. As long as I'm safe and no harm comes to me, which I'm sure none will, and she'll be totally safe for the rest of the series. Uh, <laughs> I don't think there'll be any problems. Uh, you know, he's totally fine with me doing this. Um, and I think from her perspective, and they do have this little speech, right, about um, she, she asked the doctor if he's ever going to stop doing this for any length of time, like isn't an addiction, uh, what he does, and he's like, You don't, you can't know until you try to give it up. And uh, I think really she's speaking for herself. Like, is she really addicted to doing this? And clearly, I think the answer is yes, she is. Uh, she can't really give it up, even if she uh, wants to. Um, she's having a very difficult time doing it. Uh, and they continue on uh, their adventures, which uh, I'm sure will have absolutely no consequences going forward uh, in either her relationship with the doctor or her boyfriend.
0: What could possibly go wrong?
1: Oh, yeah, nothing. I'm sure it'll yes. be fine. Uh, Aaron, what did you think of uh, of this episode? Uh, what stood out to you?
2: I think that there was a glaring missed opportunity by the writing staff to not have Clara tell the doctor, like, why can't I learn how to quit you? Right. I really think just sneaking in a back Mountain line would have been absolutely fantastic. But to oh. me, that. And maybe I just think too far outside of the box. Uh, no, it, it, it was surprisingly uh, another fun episode. It, uh, it didn't take away from any of the uh, of the really uh, of the first couple episode couple episodes too much, except for the ending of the last episode. Uh, but I mean, you know, they had to get her back on for the the last few seasons or the last few episodes until the Christmas special. So, mm-hmm. um, all in all, you know, it was fun. It uh, you could really tell that uh, that Peter Capaldi truly you know has been a lifelong fan like the the guy's passion uh and just love for the role like you can see he's having fun as he's doing this you know not that you know not that Matt Smith it wasn't phenomenal you know which he was but uh just with guys who were lifelong fans like David Tennant you know Capaldi you know guys of that nature where you can talk about the show with with such reverence yeah you can see that they love it that they just you know that there's big kids just you know living out their their childhood dreams and it really comes through their performances I mean it uh God, and he's they all, re- been, he's they all reference
0: their own doctors as well, don't they? I mean, Tennant. Yeah. Um. It well in the I can't remember which was it. Uh, Children in Need episode, and uh, it was one with Peter Davison on that. Yes. Uh, yes. Him and Peter got to have that conversation as well. It was. Yeah.
1: Uh, it was great. Yeah, because yeah. he he had that line right where he's like, uh, "You were always my doctor," I think is what That's he right, said yeah. to him, which right. was awesome. Yeah. By by the way, I'm begging your daughter. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and also, what the fuck is up with that celery thing? Uh, yeah, I mean, I uh, they well, they got the celery line in, but the the rest, I think, hit the cutting room floor, Aaron. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> any any particular moments uh, stand out for you in this episode, Aaron? Is like a like a like a favorite for you?
2: I, I think all the callbacks to all the previous episodes. I mean, it's always fun when they give other nods, to other doctors, and, and other runs, like the Jelly Baby things. I mean, the the Are You My Mummy? And as you know, we were talking about the the Tom the Tom Baker impression. I mean, it's uh, it, it's just fun. It was a really nice, fun episode to sit down and watch and enjoy it. Uh, but those couple of highlights really stuck, out. and also the, the practical effects that you know they've been doing this season again oh, have just been yeah. great. I mean, the the Mummy was awesome looking. I mean, it uh, absolutely just just so well done. I mean, just you know, hands off for these guys, man. They're really uh, stepping up to the plate this season.
1: Um, you know, Ben, what really worked for me with the Jelly Babies thing was that I believe they were in an old-timey cigarette case, They were, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which made it even better. Like it's got the little Jelly Babies under that little elastic strap.
0: He's upgraded from the uh, from from the sort of brown paper bag that Tom Baker used to have. Yeah, yes, oh, it's right.
1: that's, that's so good. Um, what were your What were your favorite uh, standouts in this episode? Well, uh, I
0: just it's like Aaron says. I mean, there are so many. This was. It wasn't just um, sort of Moffat references, you know. I mean, there were a few. There was the the thing about, um, you know, the reference of the, the previous phone call to the TARDIS, which I think goes back to, it's only last series, that wasn't it, the mm-hmm. thing about the Orient Express. Um, but yeah, you've, you've obviously got the Tom Baker impression was just superb. Um, I You My Mummy was one of those great <laughs> moments where it was a bit like Lois from Family Guy. You know that episode yes. where... They say she says I can't remember what the film is, but they say the name of the film, and she goes, "Oh, she said it!" Right? Um, Isn't one that one of those moments?
1: Well, didn't they also reference it in a in a Matt Smith episode as well? I want to say I thought maybe they yes. had. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, Tenet was, did yeah. it too,
0: didn't he? Uh, oh, perhaps, yeah.
1: Like it's really <laughs> come up an
0: awful lot. Like that's. That was a great. I mean, that was just an awesome uh, episode, though, wasn't it? it? Double episode, I think it was.
1: It was indeed. Yeah. Uh, uh,
0: um, lots of lots of previous Doctor Who. Um, uh, actors, as well, in this one. I mean, they, they seem to have, you know, just flipped through the old, uh, the old uh, Rolodex of people who've been in the last sort of few years.
1: Indeed. See, no, I, I had wondered that. I mean, because obviously I'm not as, as well versed on, like, uh, people who have been in like some of the older series and stuff, but I saw a train full of just a lot of elderly people. And I'm like, I bet there's a lot of alumni. Well, in there.
0: The, the main one, um, I suppose is Janet Henfrey. So that's the, uh, that's Mrs. Pitt, the woman who dies at the, mm-hmm. uh, at the start of it. She now it was, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to get this wrong. She was in, it was, um, Sylvester McCoy episode. I want to say it was one of the, the multiple episodes, Mm-hmm. Um, and it was something to do uh, something to do with witches or something. I can't quite remember off the top of my head. I should probably look this stuff up before I do this show. Right. Um, but yeah, she was in something like that. Uh, um,
1: like the Fenwick episode, I want to say, maybe something yes, like that? Yes, something
0: like that, certainly. Okay, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I believe I've
1: seen that one. I think I believe I've seen that particular serial, but it's it's been a while since
0: I've seen it. So It was quite a good one. In fact, thinking about it, if it's the one I'm thinking of... It's another good example of Sylvester McCoy episodes that were seriously underrated. It was actually a really good episode, if it's all I'm thinking of. Um, Professor Morehouse uh, in in this. Uh, Christopher Villiers was also in another one. Um, Oh, come on, someone. Um, (laughs) uh, The King's Demons, I want to say.
1: I was going to say, no help for a drowning man over here. Uh,
0: yeah, I was about to say, cheers for this, guys. Uh, that's a Peter Davison one, um, right. which was... Uh, wasn't that something to do with... I think that was something to do with... Um, oh, God, what was it to do with... Again, I, I, one of these days, all this stuff. I, I'm ill. Um, you've got a foggy head as well. Yeah, yeah, so it's it, it's, to... it's, a, it's a it's a sort of British history type one. I can't remember quite <laughs> what it was. Um, so, yeah, you, you've got those. Obviously, Frank Skinner, technically never been in... Uh, one before, uh, although, of course, he was in the the Five-ish Doctor's reboot. Oh, which um, was awesome. Which was superb, in fact. I can't believe so many people missed the fact that that was on uh, iPlayer. Uh, But he was uh, was in that. And he also, since he has a radio show in the UK, Frank Skinner, and for as long as that show's been on, he's been banging on about wanting to be in Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. And then when he was eventually allowed to say that he'd been cast in it, every Saturday, every Saturday, Since then, he's been going on and on and on about it on his show. Um, And last Saturday, before this episode was on, um, he was just insufferable. Every other thing was about being in Doctor Who this week. Um, I have to say his performance was just about adequate, maybe. Maybe. Don't know. Um, the, the director Feint. did say something quite faint praise, but yes. Yeah, I think just the, about
2: just about adequate might, might be the the best worst thing I've ever heard.
0: <laughs> well, do you disagree? Uh no. no. Yeah, <laughs> it was you know all right, fair enough. Yeah. Um, the director he <laughs> did like say he did say something. Is. Yeah, on the, on the on his radio show. I mean, he's he's fairly you know self-effacing anyway, Frank to... But on his uh, radio show last week, he was saying the director of this episode. Um, sort of pulled him aside at one point and said the thing is frank just you know one thing i've noticed is that when you're not speaking and your mouth's closed you look heroic when you're not speaking and your mouth's open you look gormless so just you know see what you can do with that going forward (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, which i I thought yeah yeah and if you watch the episode again with that direct uh, with that direction in mind you can see that there's a conscious effort being made Yes. I am going uh, to watch that again
2: tonight, thinking that very. It's
0: very fun. fun. But this is a Jamie Matheson episode as well, which um, I, I'm quite pleased. He's done bits and bobs for Doctor Who before, um, but he's uh, he's getting a TV show. I don't know, I don't know what you guys are like on French um, comic books over there, but there's the Metal right, the Metal series, um, which is something that he writes or sorry has been writing for. He's about to. Uh, write a tv show um for that fairly soon. it's a it's a sort of reboot of they did it before i think called the metal Hill and chronicles uh, a couple of years ago but they uh, they're, um, they're he doing wrote, another one
2: he wrote if for i can't one. pronounce it
1: i don't i don't think i deserve to read it Holy <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> he wrote for um i believe like tv wise he's written for um uh being human the uh yes there's like an the american U- the, U- the uk version or the, the american one the uk version yeah oh love it all right, there we go. Um, he did like a handful of episodes. He did not, I don't think he wrote for the American version. No, I he, think he The wrote... American version it
2: is terrible, but uh, the, I haven't it, seen it. It's definitely better. Is it, it it's got that? its moments. Uh, he, hmm. uh, we, do, we do what we do to everything. That comes. I'm going I'm to say it, it's it's almost adequate.
1: <laughs> we, we, we take it and then we double the series length. Right. Uh,
2: we make it longer, we, we throw in a much more shirtless people and more abs. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, then we got something genre, going. Yeah,
0: pretty <laughs> much. Um, yeah, I remember the, the it was sort of vague link to Doctor Who is the Russell T. Davis link was Queer as Folk when that uh, moved to the States. Mm-hmm. And the first episode um, when it was shown over here, people were just just sort of jaw on the floor about how terrible the writing was. But then again, <laughs> as it as it turned into its own series i have to say the american one far outstripped the original but it was just that first episode where they right. spelled out the joke um about uh, both having a kid on the same night yeah that was that was yep. the original gag that russell davis wrote and in the american version somebody in the room then says what i mean is that she had she gave birth to your son you fucked someone or whatever you kind of oh, think dear no, we, we got we got that yeah we, we got it it's good Move on. <laughs> Anything. Oh, heard. that makes we,
2: me feel so stupid as an American.
0: I mean, we geez. we do it, yeah. We I blame we've the Canadians. So there was a lot of Canadian influence on that show. We North really have Canadians. to. We really have
1: to spell it out. You know, put streamers on the vent so you know the air is blowing through it and stuff like that. We we really got to dumb it down for American audiences. So, uh, were there Ben? Were there any any uh, negatives in this episode? Was there anything that I
0: can't find any? And I know that I kind of. Have done on every time I've done one of these. Right. Um,
1: well, other than Frank Skinner's teeth,
2: apparently.
0: Yes, Frank Skinner's teeth. Oh Well, yeah, he, yeah, the, what the fact he damaged them chewing the scenery. <laughs> uh, <laughs> even that though, he wasn't he wasn't so bad, uh, and I guess people who don't know Frank Skinner would have wouldn't really have noticed anything about it at all. Right. Um, I quite like John Sessions as the voice for A Gus. Uh, yeah. for Gus. Um, I, I, <laughs> I used to love John Sessions. He used to do loads and loads of stuff on TV here in the 80s and 90s. And then he sort of disappeared for a bit. And then he started appearing on QI, um, where he just comes across as a know-it-all bastard. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's so how I,
1: Gus sounds, for sure. Yeah.
0: No sh- well, I, I, quite like, I quite like the sound. You know, Gus is, is just equally unlikable as I'm afraid I now view John Sessions to be. But that worked for me.
1: <laughs> the, um... Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything that really, uh, I mean, cause you guys kind of covered the basis for things that really stood out. Um, you know, we, we already talked about the, uh, uh, the, you know, the, the mummy reference and I mean, I mean, everything else, the Tom Baker impression, everything. Um, but yeah, this was, uh. For me, like what ultimately was kind of gravy for everything else was when Clara appeared and I'm like, none of this makes any sense. And I felt so lost for a moment. And uh, I'm like, they're going to need some sort of kind of clever explanation. And they didn't really go for a clever explanation, but at least it was it was decent enough to kind of cover for what felt like a really rushed uh, emotional breakdown in the previous episode. And uh, the fact that they addressed it because it felt for a moment they weren't going to address it at
0: all. It was sort of, uh, of nothing more than a post-orgasmic chill, I think, at the yeah, end of the last I, episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now, now it's sort of gone a bit Ross and Rachel.
1: They did manage to cover it, but um, what did you think, uh, Ben? What did you think of the Doctor? Because they gave him, they gave Capaldi uh, one of those big. I mean, in every season, I think there's always one moment where the Doctor gets a big doctory monologue mm-hmm. type thing, and I don't know if this is going to be his. Uh, you know, I don't know if this is gonna be his his monologue for this, but it certainly felt like it. It's the closest thing we've got to it. Oh, on the beach the season, yeah, where he has he has <laughs> heart to heart with Clara. Uh what, what did you think? For me, because for me, I think that was the maybe the best overall scene in the show, like the complete scene, not like a moment or anything. It was just like a, It was
0: the only story arc scene, I think. Um because yeah. the the point I'm I'm increasingly of the view that the point of this series is is morality um, mm-hmm. and uh, and justification because the whole the whole idea? I mean, when I raised crazy theory of the week a few weeks back with the whole um, Cyberman thing, mm-hmm. I'm still thinking actually that more and more. I'm thinking that might be right. Maybe because... especially
1: since Moffat said that the the two parters at the end of the series is. Going to be a Cyberman story, so. Well, and oh, right, I, I, I missed that right.
2: on, on our Facebook uh, a few months ago, when when they were in pre-production stuff, we were posting pictures about possible spoilers and shit like that. There's a yeah. goddamn picture of uh, of Missy and the Doctor with three Cybermen behind him. Like, oh How yeah, the yeah fuck did was, we miss that?
1: It's and like, that was Jesus. months.
0: And, but, and that was months ago. Yeah. But the <laughs> right? whole point about the about the theory was that this was some sort of effectively the Cybermen. The only reason that any of the Doctor's uh, opponents have uh, have been the the bad guys is because they don't have the moral high ground. And of course here, um, the people who Missy is collecting on the face of it are people who are already dead, um, are people potentially that the Doctor might be responsible for the deaths of. Right. Um, and so the Doctor can't really complain when the Cybermen are choosing to um, uh, to, to inhabit uh, or, or use perhaps those, those corpses. So this whole sort of idea of morality and expendability, um uh, and so on that that seems to be bubbling through every single episode even in an episode like this uh and i think that scene on uh, what is rather unmistakably a beach in vale of Glamorgan somewhere um i think that scene is <laughs> is clearly about um a- a- about the morality of it and the justification um yeah. the needs of the many etc absolutely Hang on, be careful going to careful going to end oh, up start tracking beautiful again. Back, <laughs> off, back off back off every uh, week every week this happens yeah, okay. Uh, I'm so
1: glad topic. you got that in. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, um, I mean, and we've got uh, Moffat on record uh, multiple times, I think, saying that when he was a fan, uh, a kid growing up, Cybermen were always his favorite. And uh, much to, uh, according to him anyway, much to his surprise, he hasn't really done like a straight up and down, uh, you know, Cyberman episode. It's always, they've kind of been in the, in the background a little bit. Although I'm pretty sure Nightmare in Silver was... Uh, um, although maybe he did not write it or something like that, um, but that was a, that felt like a pretty straight up and down Cyberman episode to me. But um, th- it does feel like that's where they're heading. Like maybe this is some big arc to lead. Uh, clearly, it's leading to a two parter at the end of the series, uh, and what? it's Cyberman related. So I mean, clearly this is some big arc leading to some sort of epic Cyber well, story.
0: The other thing is as, as well. And I don't think they you know they weren't too f- sort of heavy handed with this in the episode, mm-hmm. but we come back to Gus. The the disembodied consciousness that's conducting this experiment now. Gus wanted to know if you remember. Gus's point was: we will find out um, what this is, and we will then reverse engineer its capabilities. Yeah. Um, now, okay, it is a it is an animated corpse. It is an animated corpse with technology built into it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and it is one that uh, uh, that can be controlled. Uh, I wonder. Sounds familiar. Whether- yeah and I wonder whether gus uh has uh, has his own paymaster oh, um, that might be connected somehow to this because that's a, it's an awful coincidence otherwise
1: uh Aaron, cyborg zombies <laughs> Aaron, do you have any negatives for this episode anything that uh did not stick out to you as a as a positive? um no it, it
2: uh you know i mean I, I love this time of year anyway you know a, a, as evidenced by uh, that dance scene from that video yesterday uh <laughs> so i mean just you know doctor who being a, a show that i love on its own, also incorporating you know things of like a, a horror nature a, a bit you know with the mummy and then the were an express and all and it was just uh you know it, it was fun it was a nice episode um but with only three episodes left i mean that you know the other shoes got to drop and it's just it's almost butthole puckering because it's just going to be some some heavy, heavy stuff coming forward. I, I have a question. Does Danny's uh, personality seem to change week to week to you guys too, or is it just me?
0: It was a bit weird, wasn't he, in this week? Yeah. He'd suddenly like, gone he, very, very he cool almost, about it. It's like, hey, yeah. whatever.
2: Yeah, he was just the you know, cool guy. All of a sudden, he's like, no, I get it. Hey, you know, Not like last week where, you know,
0: Right. He. Was bit, abusive to, to go to
2: yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like I wonder like I think. I don't know, what, do you, what do you guys think?
1: Um, well, for for me, and I know we discussed this last week where I was asking the question, are they setting are they setting the stage for us to really hate this guy? And it, it feels like you know like Claire is the rope in a tug of war between the doctor and Danny Pink and one wants to you know have her with him and protect her and so does the other, and uh, I'm feeling like maybe he was more calm and collected this week because he was under the presumption that, um, I don't like it, that they're on one last thing, but it's the last thing, and she's coming back, and it's going to be to me and not to that guy ever, and she's mine, and this is the last we have to hear of it. So maybe that's why he was a little more relaxed, which is obviously... Uh, you know cuz he was under the false pretense of no problem and clara was under the <laughs> pretense of well i can go back i mean it's a time machine for god's sake so we can just i can go on like 36 more adventures uh and then come back you know right before you know like right when i said i was going to anyway and he'd never know the difference Uh um, right. you know so obviously mm. something is going to i mean i don't know that's that's how i'm feeling on it ben where do you uh, where do you sit on this uh this well uh, I, th- I think i think
0: that's probably right i mean none, none of danny's lines are ever um, incidental they're always quite well worded so in this I mean he had very few lines but what he said was um, was sort of you've got the first part of it which is well you can't um, you can't dump him because he's not your boyfriend so back to the gentle reminder that I'm your boyfriend which was that sort of quite controlling thing that came through with him before yes. and then the next part of that was uh, and and secondly that sounds a bit scorched earth which of course is a military metaphor mm-hmm. Um uh, and so there is the sort of reminder that he's he's a soldier there's this i mean they're obviously they're keeping us aware of the fact that he has facets to his character that aren't particularly pleasant but ultimately he um he's protective over clara i mean that's i guess maybe that's all maybe we're, we're thinking there might be something deeper there maybe that's all we really need to know about him
1: perhaps um i i mean it's interesting to see where it's going and i think um there's been, I, I don't know. I don't know where we sit on, uh, on this whole thing because it seemed like at first this was like destined to be, uh, another Amy and Rory type situation where they're both traveling with the doctor, but, uh, Danny Pink this is has, darker, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He like, he has no interest in hanging out with this guy. He does not trust him. He doesn't like him. Uh, and the feeling appears to be, you know, for the most part, pretty mutual, um,
0: if so only he was to... a
2: PE teacher, maybe it might be different. <laughs> of
1: course. Uh,
0: well, I the mean, doctor did I mean... his best stab through the heart face when, she heard, uh, when, he, when he heard Clara say, uh, say uh, I love you to Danny on the phone. Oh, side. yeah. Oh
1: Yeah, he did not like Those
0: eyebrows can act.
1: Yes. Maybe they, are... they
0: can. I see a I BAFTA coming for those eyebrows.
2: I <laughs> wonder if they can create a separate category just for that.
0: Best,
1: <laughs> best emotic. Oh, uh, Nightmare on
2: Sober was a Neil Gaiman episode, by oh, the way. Oh,
1: yeah, there we go. So there you go. Uh, yeah. So maybe, maybe Moffat's talking about an episode. He had a hand in writing. Um, uh, he's, I think never... he's got,
2: a, he's got this one uh, ready to go.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, they've, they've, they've gone with a completely different, uh, dynamic with that. Is that, so is that good? Are we happy with the dynamic they went with? Cause I, um, I wouldn't w well, I wouldn't have mind the three team, uh, the, the trio and the TARDIS, I guess, as it were, but, uh, you know, we, we have kind of been there, and and, yeah. and fairly recently as well. So, are are you enjoying the different dynamic here? Either of you?
2: Yeah, yeah <laughs> uh, I am, because it, it, it's really it, it's a it's a unique position for the doctor. I mean, normally he's the one that all these companions or that everyone loves. Essentially, like this is really you know probably the first time in, you know in who knows how long that uh, that he's not been the guy to someone he wanted to be the guy for like you know with Rose he wanted to be the guy so he was the guy you know he and Donna were just friends you know Martha wanted him to be the guy but he didn't want to be like this is the first time where he's wanted to be that person and it wasn't reciprocated so i mean it, he's going through a bit of heartbreak man it uh mm-hmm. it, it, I, I like it it's interesting
0: yeah I, I think so and i think as well the uh the dynamic between the doctor and um if you like the the third person on, on <laughs> all of these previous occasions has always been I suppose the viewer is supposed to inhabit the third's position and sort of you know be watching on slightly sort of slack jawed at what's going on around them Yeah. Um, because they all started like that um, especially Rose's uh, Rose's boyfriend right back at the start um, whereas yeah and the thing is we all felt kind of I don't know maybe we felt comfortable in that role this is something we talked about I think on the first one of those shows yeah we, we, we kind of felt comfortable watching that um, because we had someone there we could associate with, and maybe I mean this whole series has been, it seems to me, setting out to make the viewer feel slightly un- uncomfortable, slightly on edge. Yeah. And maybe the fact that we don't have anyone in there that we can truly trust and sort of go along with, because it's not the doctor anymore. Uh, it, it's not Clara because we know there's so much more to her, and she's, um, you know, she's a peculiarity. Yeah. And we're getting the feeling it's not Danny um i think maybe it's deliberate that we're supposed to feel kind of unsettled watching it and i i think that's a great dynamic because yeah it is the thing i mean it makes it exciting to the older viewers uh, i i wonder actually whether it's i don't know whether perhaps it takes the show slightly out of the the demographic of its of its lower end which mm-hmm. i know we discussed a few weeks back didn't we oh, but, yeah. um, we did um <laughs> but i i i, I, I still I, I think kids are capable of dealing with that Oh but sure, I do sure. think I think it's great. I think it's a good new direction. I don't like I don't like it when Moffat feels the necessity to overdo things. So I hope he doesn't, right. you know, always have that as his theme. But it's a nice new direction.
1: Right. I mean, and he's, uh, yeah, th- this season has definitely felt like uh, the as far as the main characters go, shades of grey is like the order uh, for everything. Like there's no clear. Uh, I mean, you know, Matt Smith's Doctor had some faults, you know, here and there, but largely. It's like, clearly, this man is the good guy and the hero. And, uh, you know, Clara was very much also kind of set in that mold as well. But now, you know, uh, as you mentioned, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to tell exactly how you're supposed to feel about these characters from episode to episode. But that's, that's good. It's not, everything doesn't always have to be black and white. There's, you know, uh, clearly the doctor is out to do good. Um, but how he gets there... Is obviously sometimes questionable, uh, mm. you know, and how he, and how he behaves around everyone else as well. Um, his new personality and everything, it, it clearly uh, makes for, uh, you know, like I, like I said, a, a shade, a shade of gray. It's not quite uh, good or bad. Uh, and as you said, yeah, we're kind of on the edge. And the, the same thing about Danny Pink, who seemed at first, like he was going to be the very likable, heroic type of person, but you know, that changed as well. And even, uh, and even Clara has also uh, gone, uh, you know. So, I mean, there's, I, I think there's still some people out there who think, you know, that think she's still, uh, you know, perfect. Like she's molded as a, like a, a, supposed to be like a perfect person who always looks good and always is clean but and again, has all I, the I think best that's... ideas and, you know, things like that. But that seems
0: to be part of that same theme, though, is that much as, um, there isn't a sort of black and white answer to each of these scenarios, the Doctor and Clara find themselves in. Um, the, the same thing is true of the characters, as no, in, you know, automatic good or bad. I, again, I think the whole thing chimes with, the, it sort of resonates with this idea of morality, which, which seems to be everywhere in this series.
1: Um, okay, Ben, so score for Orient, or Mummy on the Orient Express.
0: Um, I am going to go with a vintage old-time... <laughs> perhaps controversial. <laughs> Why not? Okay. Cuz I usually am. Sure. 5 glasses. Wow, wow, okay. This went old school, it did it well. I couldn't find a problem with it.
1: There you go. Uh for Ben, it's a, it's as perfect as a Doctor Who episode gets. Uh Aaron, where you are you uh, where you sitting on this one?
2: I I I got to keep the streak alive, man. I go a 5 also. Okay.
1: Yay.
0: I'm, I'm gonna you're the bad guy now
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna break it and oh, go with a, a I'm gonna go with a very strong four and a half gummy babies oh, very strong
0: on. four and a half get splinters on your ass why don't you
1: very yes, strong half. look God. I had some I had some nitpicky moments in this episode Wrong. Um yeah. Oh, okay. And fine, listeners, five, you'll be able five. to see
0: Anthony Lewis at the front row of a Comic Con <laughs> sometime soon, saying, "Why was it in Series Eight, Episode?" <laughs> <laughs> I did
1: not like the explanation of why they were together at all. So I mean, maybe you can elaborate <laughs> a little further. Is there some backstory? You know what? No, no, no. Uh, you, you guys, you guys convince me. I, I think I'm gonna go with the five. I'm a very hesitant to always no, say no, five. No, no, fuck that. You, you stick to your guns. You go yeah. for it. I'm very hesitant. they let us, us you. Wear you? that badge. It's so hard though because it's two on one and one of you is British. It's it's just so difficult. I I'm, feel like his five should
2: almost count as six be, just because he is British.
1: Right, right. So it's you know, so it kind of averages out to a five. Right. I think. Um, no, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna stick with it. It's a very 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 strong episode, but um, I'm, I'm 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 postponing my five because I feel like we're on the verge <laughs> of a really a really fantastic episode, and I don't feel like this is the the best that this this series has to offer because it feels like it's really been uh on an incline for the most part i mean you know there were there were mo- like kill the moon kind of felt like a weaker episode compared to some of the others but um you know for the most part the series feels like it's been on an incline like it's it's constantly going upwards and um i i've you know i'm, I'm curious to see where the next episode goes because there's uh from the clips they've released so far it looks like there's a lot of things that are going to get played for comedy but Uh, usually when they show us clips like that, it usually means like, here's, here's your one moment of reprieve and everything else is terrible. Uh, so, uh, it does look good. The
0: next episode does look good.
1: No, indeed it does. It does does look fun. So uh, I'm totally looking forward to it. And, and, uh, if anything, Aaron, I think this will be an excuse to sell even more miniaturized Tardises.
0: Uh, (laughs) if
1: anything else, I don't know the Tardai. Yes. (laughs) Um, it did uh, my when my kids saw it. They're like, "Did they just use a toy in the episode? Like, is that just a toy?" And I'm like, "I'm hoping they built like a like a real wooden one. It's not like, you know, it's hard to tell because it looks so glossy."
0: I don't know, man.
2: I have a TARDIS trash can in my office that looks really close to that.
0: I've got a TARDIS <laughs> USB hub that look quite similar to it as well. See? so it's
1: hard. To, it's hard. It's hard to tell what they use. I, I want to believe that they they you know struck out with enough money to build like a, a you know like a small scale wooden uh prop for this episode but we shall we we shall see um all right so for aaron de Losa and ben knight i'm anthony lewis and we'll be back next week talking series 8 episode 9 called flatline